Welcome to the It Crowd podcast, where technology leaders converge with the boardroom elite. In this digital hub, the pulse of cybersecurity, mobility, managed services, and networking comes alive. Here, innovators and decision makers unite, forging a dynamic dialogue for tomorrow's success. So whether you're a tech aficionado or a C-suite strategist, this is your platform. Join host Richard Rodriguez and Josh Lowry as they bridge these worlds, curating insights and fostering a collaborative dialogue. The It Crowd podcast is proudly brought to you by the following sponsors. ClearSync Solutions, unifying your technology solutions with simplicity. From M&A integration to global connectivity, cybersecurity to managed services, we're your comprehensive partner aligning your business goals with technology for energy, oil and gas, and financial service firms. Trust our proven track record. ClearSync Solutions, one ClearSync, countless possibilities. eCentire. The authority in managed detection and response protects the critical data and applications of our customers from the known and unknown cyber threats by providing exposure management, managed detection and response, as well as incident response services designed to build your organization's cyber resilience and prevent business disruptions. By combining open XDR platform technology, 24-7 threat hunting, and proven security operation leadership, eCentire's award-winning MDR services and team of experts help organize organizations anticipate, withstand, and recover from cyber attacks. Evolve IP. Evolve IP is the only provider that can start with a single remote hybrid workforce solution and grow the account into a multi-solution contract. Evolve IP delivers integrated work anywhere technologies that enable IT departments to do more with less by getting them out of the PC, BBX, and VPN business. By leveraging our underlying providers, Microsoft, Cisco, VMware, and Citrix, Evolve IP offers services in four categories. Microsoft Teams Direct Routing, Virtual Desktop, Virtual Servers, Disaster Recovery, Backup as a Service, and O365 Azure. Contract Centers, Customer Experience, Leveraging Data as a Service, and any CCAS provider without a VPN or corporate-owned PC. Put us up against any standalone Microsoft Teams, Cisco WebEx, VDI-Data-as-a-Service, VCast, or CCAST vendor. You'll find that Evolve IP offers the best support, fully optimized solutions, and the ability to consistently grow the account so you can make more money. Welcome to the It Crowd podcast at the Upright Digital Podcast Studios in Houston, Texas. My name is Josh Lowry. I'm coming to you live with the co-host extraordinaire, Mr. Richard Rodriguez. How are you, Richard? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. I mean, that was a uh, the first time I've said this uh, live anyway on a uh, podcast, the It Crowd podcast. Do you want to explain to the audience what the It Crowd stands for? I mean, there are many ways we could do it. It's the IT crowd, but more than anything, it's it's we are the It Crowd. We're the cool people who can be the bridge between you know technology and business. That's right. Um, because there's they always seem to talk past each other. And we are that bridge that can take tech speak, put it into business and explain to them how it's going to affect their bottom line, how they can use it. And then from the reverse side, explaining to tech people, you know, why they need to make the technology easier for their consumers. You know, this is we have we are part of a larger group of uh, companies that has a lot of other podcasts out there. And we've seen the success that podcasts have um, for just telling good stories, relaying a lot of information in you know, manageable, you know, ways, I guess is the best way to say, I'm sure there's a better way to say that, but 
you know, when we started going over this, we were like, how do we explain? Because you're very technical. I am not. And I think the audience will discover that pretty quickly, maybe even on show one, but we'll find <laughs> out. Um, and it was like, how do you explain something from, you know, the layman's perspective to the, but not really the layman, right? Somebody who's in a leadership position. I mean, just so the audience knows, this show is almost called What's My Password? Exactly. And, you know, because we, there's a lot of people that are in charge of things that are so busy that have a lot going on that don't have time to understand what they need to understand. And they rely on people like Richard and, um, and our guest today that we'll talk to here in a second that just don't know where to go and don't know how to get this information. And we just decided that, look, the it crowd's a double entendre there. We have to be able to, to bridge the gap. And that's what the show and this podcast is going to be about. Well, obviously, they're, they're, they're extremely intelligent leaders that lead billion-dollar companies in, in many of our examples, especially in our network. Mm -hmm. And they understand things from a 100,000-foot know, view. They don't need to understand it from a 1,000-foot view, but it's really just getting that in between where they hear things, they read about things, they know what the technology is out there, but they don't understand how they can apply it to their business to be profitable for them and help their employees and their customers. The R network that Richard's referring to is the industrial energy and oil and gas space. We are very um, strong and connected in that space. And it's a, it's a space that's changing, that needs a lot of uh, help in the digital world and the digital transformation. And uh, that's what we aim to do today. And uh, on that note, this is my favorite part where you and I talk to each other and we just ignore the guests for a couple of minutes. <laughs> but we, uh, we do have somebody in the room today. Um, can I go ahead and introduce him yes, real quick? Be great. Uh, we have Mr. Jay Slaughter and, and Jay, I cannot thank you enough for being our first guest today on this podcast. It is absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Jay, you are a chief information officer for a property and casualty company. Uh, you've been doing this for 25 years mm -hmm. and you are, this is also your first podcast. That is correct. But you're not unfamiliar with everything we just described. I am uh, completely familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> From your perspective, as we described it, did we kind of nail because we didn't talk to you um, yep. when we were kind of building the thesis for this podcast. How effective and how needed is this show in terms of the goal of what it, of which it's designed to serve? Yeah, I think it's hugely important. To me, I've seen IT delivery done right and wrong, again, for the better part of 25 years. Um, what works best is, is absolutely business-aligned IT. Right, I think it's a just like with most businesses, it's a relationship-based business. You've got to understand what the business's strategy, goals, objectives are, and then you got to develop an IT strategy and uh, delivery or achieving those goals and objectives. So uh, again, it all starts with relationships, communication, etc. Um, and it, I personally have had my most success when I've had strong relationships with business leaders who are trying to achieve particular. You know, top line results, really growth, expansion, and bottom line results, uh, cost efficiency and optimization. Um, yeah, no, I, I think you, the the thrust of this podcast is is really uh, relevant and current and uh, kind of what we need to be talking about. I want to just one more question on that thread before we get yep. to you. On how often do you encounter somebody <clears throat> at, the, at the top and in the senior management role that is trying to align himself with what your goals are as well? So it's interesting, right? We uh, I currently work for a large insurance carrier. We're a very diversified book of business. Uh, there's some traditional thinkers, right? Traditional business thinkers, particularly for the small volume, large premium businesses where things are still done with a handshake and a smile and all that good stuff. Um, 
what I find are kind of the, the smaller to medium size uh, lines of business where volume is a consideration, where premium revenue is relatively low. These guys are desperate for technology, for innovation, et cetera. They're looking to expand while managing cost. Uh, and they know that, that technology, for the most part, is the way to achieve both of those goals. I mean, Richard, did we just nail, did we just become best friends? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I honestly feel like we've, we have hit the hammer, the nail on the head. I think Seriously. we got lucky, but I know. I think I think it was. I mean, we talked about this for a better part of a year, right? Thank you. He, Rich, by the way, audience, Richard just basically sold me out. And told me everybody that I'm slightly <laughs> slow in the way I develop things, but keep going, <laughs> keep going. And not, no, it definitely wasn't your fault. It was more about again looking at the landscape of what was out there, because we could see we could see podcasts that were, you know, directed to agents, right? To 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 people like that, we could see there were we could see podcasts that were very technical, extremely technical. Yeah, that's what at, I. That's the only thing I ever found aimed at IT yep. directors, VPs of IT that got into the weeds of it, and and those are needed, right? Mm -hmm. And we knew we definitely didn't need something else like that. And how could we be unique? What could we do? And again, what could we talk to? I mean, the people that we talk to in our network every day, right? These are the people that you know we catch up with, that we see at networking events, that we go to lunch with, mm -hmm. that we go have drinks with. I mean, it's it's those business leaders, right? So. Speaking of drinks, did everybody have a good Memorial Day weekend here? Phenomenal, yep. Yeah? Did you have a nice weekend? Good. Very good. We are recording this the day after Memorial Day weekend. Everybody looks pretty sharp. This is really well done. It's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There was a lot of coffee this morning. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. A couple of espressos. Everybody looks pretty good. All right. Well, listen, Jay, now that you've, um, I mean, just reaffirmed our excellence, let's just move <laughs> to point number two. Tell us about you. Wow. <laughs> Well, I was born. Yes, uh, um, from my from my my start from there. My career tale of woe, right? Let's uh, I guess let's hear it. So, um, you know, don't want to go too long on this. I can go as as deep as you want, but we'll edit you. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah. So interestingly, just a, a quick note, right? I I so I'm 51 years old, right? Oh, well, this is your first podcast. He's got his phones ringing in here. <laughs> I assume we're gonna post production that. No, leave it in. This is part of it. This is a. Somebody called, we did something the other day. I screwed up the, the intro to the guest's company the other day. And, they, and we asked the guy, do you want us to take it out? And he says, no, 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 it's it's podcasty. It's podcasty. Uh, yeah. All right. So I said, all right, we'll leave that. All right, hopefully that problem has been remedied. All right, take two. Um, yeah, no, so uh, you're 51 years of age. And what, what was interesting, I think, for my generation is we were the first ones for which technology was became part of our daily life, right? It's... It, I've heard the current generations described as technology natives, and we are technology immigrants, right? At my age group, but had a computer on the, uh, you know, on the desk at home as, at a young age. Was a big video game honk, still am. Full disclosure. Um, and anyway, so so I always enjoyed it, right? But I never really had comprehended it as a career path, and had a father who was a very successful attorney in town. Uh, so I just told myself I'm going to be a lawyer. Went through, got a useless undergrad degree, um, went to law school for half a, a semester and decided that I would be the most miserable human being on the planet if I ended up as a lawyer. And so I decided that that was enough of that. And I got out and I started looking around and holy crap, you know, there's something you can do in the technology space that you can actually make a living at. So if That this, you enjoy. That you enjoy. Right. Imagine that. Make money and enjoy yeah. your life. Um, and at that point, the dot-com boom was, you know, in its ascension. 
And so I was able to get my foot in the door, kind of, you know, work my way up, did a lot of hands-on work, et cetera. Quickly decided that, well, that's fine. I didn't want to be kind of living in a dark cave, drinking Diet Cokes, eating Twinkies, and writing code for the rest of my life. So made a few transitions. Uh, figured out that, uh, you know, I wanted to get into the management side, did the middle management thing. Uh, that's fine. Looks a little more tac tactical than I like. I kind of fell in love with strategic aspects of IT. Uh, and then got into the the early days of digital, which back then everything was e-business, right? Long stint in healthcare, did about 15 years there, running e-business for a local healthcare provider. Um, then saw an opportunity with my current employer to move in and take over their e-business digital space. Have been there about 10 years, moved up. Uh, CIO for one of the subsidiaries that I work for now, I actually started a uh, digital product management function built that thing from the ground up, which was really interesting uh, and a lot of fun as well. And uh, and here I sit. You know, look, I don't want to play up the Twinkies, Diet Coke, and Dark Room, <laughs> you know, caricature, if you will. But I, if, I'm if i also old enough to remember the Saturday Night Live skit. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wish I could remember. I, I know it was Rob Schneider. I can't remember the, the name of the, the character that he played, but when they would call him into the room... And he'd be like, my computer's messed up. I'd be like, move. And he'd yeah. scoot the guy over. You remember which one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he would just tick, tick, tick. It's fixed. And they'd be like, hey, I can't print. Move. And he would ship these guys over. <laughs> yeah. There is a... It's the arrogance of IT, honestly. Because what? Why is that? Because, because people... They, in they, the... they they have this, this domain of knowledge that they know others around them don't. They don't have it. And... The, the, the others around yeah, them, yes. that do not have that. Yeah, exactly. And so there's some arrogance that sets in. And uh, they think they have some power and control that, uh, hey, you can't work if you can't uh, you know turn on your computer. And then invariably, when a reboot of the computer fixes the problem, <laughs> right? see, dummy, you should. <laughs> control, <laughs> the fact that you, alt, delete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fact you didn't know that yeah, tells me that I'm smarter than you are, whatever. But yeah, no, I think that's uh, it, it was a reasonable caricature. But I think that, you know, things have evolved a bit away from that. Do you, okay, let me ask you that then. Yeah. Are the, because that's 20 years ago, yep. maybe a little bit longer actually. Yep. The senior level guys now are also 55. Yep. And they are digital immigrants. And, yep. Um, but they're, they've had to learn, mm -hmm. right? That a lot of those guys are on, I mean, I'm not trying to associate TikTok, if you will, with yep. being digital, but certainly they've, they're trying. Right. Okay. Are they becoming more, adept today than they were 20 years ago or is it still there's still that massive chasm between the haves and haves nots well i i think they are becoming more digitally aware more digitally savvy right but i think it's where you started from and if you start out with a four four furlong lead in a race and you continue to run even though they're covering ground they they're maintaining that lead i think too it's challenging for people who are new to it again i so my children are 20 and 18, and were born basically with a you know, digital technology in their hand for the most part. Mm -hmm. So how can you compete with that if you're coming to technology fresh in your 30s or yeah. 40s or whatever? Invariably, you're you're at a, a a knowledge gap disadvantage. I think. Well, I know I'm at a disadvantage because I don't have any technology questions. But, I mean, okay, but but even put it even put it to yourself, right? Like you understand broad concepts, right? Like you are, all, for example, you're all over ChatGPT. As soon as I love it, and 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 you love it, right? And and it helps you in your day to day life. 
Yes. There is a completely different prepare. You, you look at it as this is a game changer for me, for my employees. Like this is going to be the next, the next level. It is. And in broad concepts, it is going to change the world. But then if you ask Jay, what his, which I will, what is his view Mm -hmm. on, on generative AI? Because he knows so much more and he can be more in depth, he's going to give you a perspective okay. that you don't see. What is your yeah. perspective on that? All right, so a, a thought and then a direct response. First of all, I think one of the things that technology providers have done a really good job with is making complex technology really approachable. Take mobile devices. Before the iPhone, very few people had smart devices in their hands. Everybody had a mobile phone, right? But things that were largely data-driven, connected, et cetera, et cetera, it was what Palm and, and Blackberry yep. to a lesser degree and whatever. And I, I joke with my family that I'm not knocking iPhone users. I'm an Android guy reading my family's iPhone. They managed to put smart devices into the hands of women, children, and the mentally infirmed, right? And, uh, and again, that's tongue in cheek, but they did, right? Everyone's got okay, an iPhone. Everybody's got one. Um, as it, and so take Jap, chat GPT. You've got really complex technology there, right? You've got learning models. You've got this massive corpus of knowledge and information and the fact that they can put it into a self-admitted non-tech person here so that he can use it with a high degree of, of effectiveness is it's a testament to the guys who are who are producing this technology in an you know an accessible way i think that the thing with with ai it's it, it's a huge question mark right everyone hears it we need to be doing something with it whatever my concern as a technology guy is I don't think you should chase the latest, greatest thing every single time. I need to understand what your business problems are, what your business objectives are, and figure out right fit technology servicing and otherwise to help you meet your needs. Uh, the risk in in things that look like OpenAI are, well, A, again, a public corpus of knowledge and information. So anything you go, you know, you take to that, that technology Borg. becomes... The Borg. Right. It becomes part of that public corpus of information. So I can tell you my current employer is very concerned about this. They've got blocks at a firewall level to anything that looks like chat GPT or AI or any of that kind of stuff. And their concern is losing IP, you know, somebody putting PII, PHI, Hmm. sorry, personally identifiable information, personal health information, you know, credit card information (laughs) into this public corpus of knowledge. What did you call it? What? P what? PII. P-I-I. Personally identifiable information. All right, people, remember that. Yep. Keep going. The, I just have, we have to educate the audience. Yeah, P-H-I. Richard I speaks agree. in acronyms. I'm right. like, yeah, <laughs> I know what that means, but what do you think it means? <laughs> P-H-I, health information, P-C-I, credit card information. Got it. You don't want that stuff escaping into, you know, a public, a publicly available, like I said, corpus of information. Because then it's out there for everybody. I think the other thing that's concerning to me about AI. That is a really interesting point. Just because I don't, I mean, I know people hear about this. There's a 60 minute special every week, it seems like. Yep. But when you hear that stuff, I wonder, and I'm kind of talking to Richard, I, I don't want to stop your, your mojo here, but like I'm wondering, Richard, like how many calls are you getting about people saying, put a, put a chat GPT blocker on our system right now? I would say right now, at least half the calls I get right now are from clients who are asking, you know, if it's safe for them to use it, You're how, kidding. Should, how should they put Half guard the calls? It? Le- yep. What? Yes. yes. That blows my mind. Okay. Because there's a real risk to that. Uh, and again, it's, you know, you talk about somebody like that, that uh, a, a company that has 
you know, a, a customer's credit card information, healthcare information, those are, the, you know, those are huge. But then also just from a company perspective, you have your own intellectual property that you've developed on how you, from a marketing perspective, Upright has your, you have your own proprietary way yeah. of how you engage with customers, how you roll out certain campaigns, how you do these things. If one of your employees goes in and puts in meeting notes that has those proprietary ways in there yep. to chat GPT because they want to summarize a meeting, guess what? You're losing that. Mm -hmm. You have the potential to lose that, right? And that gives you your edge. That makes you different than everybody else. That's a good point. We actually pay for that. So we, we don't do that, but that's a good point. And one more uh, concern area, in my opinion, is, you know, A, the question of AI has not been litigated. It's certainly not regulated. Um, so you don't know what ultimately the, you know, government policy and oversight and things like that are going to look like. But I think there's potential risk around intellectual property infringement. So, for instance, if I'm building on a corpus of knowledge, somebody else has put something that looks like IP into the cloud, and I go and I, I mean, you can produce literature, you can produce works of art, you can write software, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. How much am I borrowing from Banksy to produce a new artwork mm -hmm. that then, I then go and try to monetize, and he then, you know, at some point comes back after the fact, and I think there's gonna be litigation mm -hmm. about this question for decades to come. Did you see where this, this, I mean, I just saw this this morning, this lawyer is, I don't know if he was arrested or he's in trouble or whatever, but he I saw, I saw what you're he filed about. a motion that that he that they found out was filed with help of ChatGPT. Really? That was referencing made it's, up. It cited three cases, <laughs> and when the uh, when the judges clerks went to go look them up, the cases never existed. No, oh, ChatGPT nice. made them up. That generated the <laughs> cases. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I also read a story about a college professor, won't name the university who basically failed every student in the class because he did he took their theses or whatever whatever it was their final exams and he ran them through yeah. chat gpt and determined that all of them had been generated using chat gpt right so there's an intellectual dishonesty component to this too right are you doing your own work yeah. exactly I, you know the dishonesty part bothers me it's the what is that person going to be doing post yeah like, is that your doctor? Is that your lawyer? So, that your, right. Probably working for right. you, Josh. Yeah, well, <laughs> perfect. That would make sense. Yeah, no, it's a tricky, I mean, it is a slippery slope for sure. Yep. All right, now that we've freaked everybody, you know how we actually started this whole thing was cybersecurity. Right. Um, I don't know, maybe a year ago, Richard and I were sitting there talking in one of the other studios, and Richard had a friend come by, and guy was interesting. We were talking, honestly, we were switching to Microsoft stuff, and you know, no big deal, normal middle of the road conversation. Then all of a sudden he got into cybersecurity and 10 minutes in this conversation on thumbprints and face prints and, or, you know, scans and whatnot. I was freaking out. <laughs> I was absolutely freaking out. I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not doing this. I need to change yep. this. So I went to Richard and I was like, can we, and he's like, yeah, here's how you do it. So cybersecurity, mm -hmm. I don't want to put you on the spot here. What, how, what is your breadth of knowledge in that world? Yeah, so a couple things on cyber as it relates to my current company. One, we actually sell cyber insurance, right? Okay. And that's a big, booming part of our business. Okay. So you know, how do you manage risk around cyber insurance? There's a lot that goes into underwriting, understanding. We were talking about this, Richard, earlier, understanding what the risk profile is for any potential insured. And you know, then if there's a declination on a policy submission for something around cyber, you know, what do they need to do? What action do they need to take to harden their security posture, 
uh, just, you know, out of the, in the interest of stability and security and safety of their own business, much less getting cyber coverage. Now, as it relates to me, we've got an internal uh, information security team. So, you know, I'm kind of in the, the digital space, I'm in the, you know, application development space, the delivering implementation of, of business enabling technologies, and there's a partnership. I've got a very strong relationship with our chief security officer. Okay. There's a partnership there, just like I have with the business, right? Everything I do, I got to move in lockstep with that guy and yeah. his team to make sure that I'm not doing anything that creates unreasonable risk. Right? Yeah, and the thing is, if you look at where we are starting to innovate, uh, particularly for some, some of these smaller, high volume, low premium businesses, they're about top line growth expansion, right? Managing costs, bottom line growth at the same time. So how do you do that, right? So we're actually exposing external APIs, so APIs for the business audience, basically data interfaces into your system, right? So how you get data into and out of. And, and within FinTech, there's been a lot of investment, a lot of development around pricing aggregators, which are basically just comparative Comparative, uh, you know, product placement, right? We see it in a lot of the personal lines, right? You see it in, you want a home loan, a car loan, whatever. You travel. go out, you travel, right? And I want to see here are my parameters. Here's five different options. Here are the different price points, whatever. And then you can move the, you know, move the slider up and down to adjust pricing, etc. So this is becoming a big thing in uh, a number of the not just personal commercial lines, but in the, I mean, the personal lines, but in commercial lines because you've got these guys who are looking to grow and manage cost, if I expose my product and price into one of these third-party aggregators, then all of a sudden, the burden is on the aggregator vendor to go out and sign up all these brokers. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's it, right? We, we do very little of our business direct to insured. Most of our business is through a broker channel. So our point of engagement is with a broker. We've got business development people who spend a lot of time prospecting and getting brokers appointed, and that costs money. And so now you go out and you got these aggregators who are out getting brokers subscribed to their service and there's hundreds of thousands of them. We could never hit that kind mm -hmm. of scale. But now because they've done the work, I can expose through one of these APIs my product and my price against other carriers for whatever insurance coverage they're looking for. What did you say uh, before we started the show? You said an, an ops dev? <clears throat> DevOps? DevOps. Oh. What, what is that? It's more of more a question of how his his organization is structured so development development operations so you have devops you have security ops you have different mm -hmm. people who who develop these apis these platforms they can develop apps they can do internal programs they can do those kinds of things so you know some people choose to outsource all of that mm -hmm. some people choose yep. to have that in-house with their own with their own people what's i mean what's better is there a better or is it just it depends Personal on your business. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on. But it raises an interesting question, too, because you're talking about cloud now to a large extent, right? So back to, okay, what should I be doing in cloud? We actually went through this exercise several years ago where we, we decided as an organization that, hey, cloud may make sense for us. So the initial conversations is let's take all of our workloads, so all of our compute and processing and storage and all this stuff, which was at the time on-premise and physical data centers that we owned and managed, and let's just move the whole shebang to the cloud. What you decide, what you discover very quickly is the financials don't make sense. The cost to run all of your workload in the cloud is actually pretty prohibitive. So you start looking at cloud for strategic benefit, advantage, uh, you know, where investment makes sense, that sort of thing. This is where the, the DevSecOps comes up. Um, 
and there's a number of different ways to do it, and it gets to be really, really technical and geeky. So I don't know, uh, you know, how right. much we want to get into it, but uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm interested. <laughs> okay, I understand so far. I get it. Right. So uh, when you go to cloud, you can actually have the equivalent of a physical server up and running in the cloud, and you're just moving your compute from on-prem out there, right? Right. There's this notion of serverless, where essentially you don't have these persistent machines out there running. When a call comes in to do some particular function, mm -hmm. it will spin up an environment, AWS. So we went down, and that's the other question too. Well, there's all these different cloud providers. Mm -hmm. There's Azure, there's AWS, there's Google, there's blah, blah, blah. Which one should we use? And we st and I'm not going to name names, yeah. but we started sure. on one sure. path and determined. And so this is back to the question of partnership and servicing. We actually discovered the one that we were on the original path with that we did not, we did not discover that there was a really strong partner network to service and support it, whereas the one that we ended up going with had did have one. Right. So that to us all of a sudden made all the sense in the world. And it was really, it was that servicing and support and partnership thing was more important because you know the capabilities of their respective clouds were equivalent, mm -hmm. right? Uh, some might say the original one was even better, I don't know. Um, so yeah, that was literally the crux of the, the decision-making process for us. Was the service aspect? Yep. Okay, just on that note, when you say service aspect, because this is what I see Richard in these meetings, yeah. and I just listen to him, and you know, I own a company, a couple of companies, and one of the things that, you know, like I, I, as I told John Fair, I try very hard to stay in my own lane, yep, and so I have to rely on others' expertise, right, and once you get to somebody who you're a group or a person or a company that you trust. You're like, hey, I trust you. I need you to do this. Please, basically, yep. don't take advantage of, your, of me or lead me down a path yep. of that I'm gonna just that's endless, right? Right. So, I wonder when you say what you're talking about there, because I mean, I'm sh this nothing we're talking about is cheap. Yep. And it it just almost seems endless. Right. You know, when you're going down some of these paths, how do you really decide? Like when you look for a partner, like mm -hmm. what are you really looking for? Yep. Are you looking for service? I mean, what are you looking for? Is there a metric that as a the CEO looks for versus what the CIO looks for? How do you marry those metrics together? Yeah, so there's there's two things in my mind. I mean, there's always cost, right? So yeah, let's true. assume that. Okay. Um, that always matters. Yeah, there's, there's functional fit, right? How big do you want to buy? How much do you need, right? A lot of these, I mean, there's a lot of folks, regardless of of industry domain, et cetera, that have solved at a large scale with very complex, very expensive solutions. Do you need that whole thing? If so, great, go buy it. But the other thing is the the service network that you get. So I've, I've lived it both ways. I've had the horror story where we adopted a very large, not gonna name the name, but it's a very large kind of digital media company. We adopted their uh, analytics, uh, digital marketing solution, whatever, and they immediately handed us off to a third party to do servicing and implementation, and they were terrible. Mm. And then we couldn't get the the parent, the the vendor that we were contracted with on the phone. They were you know were very standoffish. We didn't move the needle with them because we were not a Fortune 50 company or something like that. So I actually, to me, on the technology side, right? I mean, partnering with the business, understanding their needs, making sure there's functional fit, um, and that. But the the servicing and support is absolutely critical, and it's the broader network, right? Because invariably you get to these large players. And they've got this partner channel. Yeah. And you're like, all right, how good are your partners? And then what they'll do is you buy their solution. They'll say, all right, you get to work with this one. Then I want to have a conversation about exactly. which one I'm working with. Right. Because you can be handed to just anybody. Okay, so on that note, I got I to gotta yep. catch you off. Richard, what does that mean? 
when you say the partner channels, is that, because I've met a lot of the people that you're talking about, is that Correct. the partner channels would be who? So the, I mean, so you have, you have the vendor channel, so you have, you know, people, you have large companies say, you know, like, like a Zoom, for example, okay. right? It's one thing if you are, again, like you Not said. Not a Zoom, folks, Zoom, as if in. If you are a, a Fortune 50 company, Zoom itself is going to treat you much differently than if you Zoom have, will handle handle you directly. Then if you have somebody that you're only buying, you know, you have 100 employees, mm -hmm. right? They will put you off to a partner, you know, uh, that will do the integration for what you. What they call channel will, partners. Uh, yeah. Okay. That will that will put you, they'll, they'll do the implementation for you. They'll do the training for you. They'll be your day-to-day -day support. Unless something actually goes wrong with the platform and you're talking to Zoom, this other, this okay. other partner will be your day-to-day -day support, right? Yep. So it does matter on who's uh, on who's doing that because you can buy this great technology, mm -hmm. but if you're not if it's not implemented correctly, if you're not taught how to use it, if you don't have the support when things are going bad, you know, employees aren't going to use it, right? And now you spent all this money right. on something that just sits there. Yeah. And how do you, I mean to his point, Jay's point, how do you avoid getting put with a bad channel partner or partner? Well, I mean, that's where, you know, that's that's where people like like us come in. Right. Because, um, you know, we can sit there and we're we're the middle person that's not only helping you find the technology that works to to to, to get the outcome that you want for the business. We understand your strategy. We know what you what you need the outcome to be. We we pick that. But to where if you just go direct, if you just Googled, hey, like I just want a salesperson yeah. from Zoom as an example, it's nothing against Zoom or anybody. I'm just using them as an example. They'll sell it to you direct, but then they're going to hand you, they're going to hand you off, right? You're not going to get to talk to who they hand you off to. You're just going to get handed off. With us, we can fit you with the right person that you are going to get handed off to. Some cases we may do it ourselves, but in most cases we're going to put you with somebody else. But it's people that we vetted. It's people that we know. It's people that we use other customers mm -hmm. with. It's people that we can give you references on that you can talk to them. So if we do all the homework for you rather than you having to sit through 100 meetings to find the right provider. Okay, so then you so again on, I'm not, di on different levels, right? On the overall technology, on the implementation, and the support. Now, Jay, I'm checking. I'm checking his math here. All right. Does that sound right? Like, if yep. you run into an instance where you're like, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. I don't like. I don't like Richard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to deal with a different sure. Richard. Right. How accessible is that when dealing with a bigger company? I'm not going to use Zoom. Uh, boom. Let's talk about Boom. Right? Yep. If you you go to Boom. And boom is like, I don't like, I need a new partner. Yep. Are they, do they want to work with you guys on that? Are they willing to kind of help people out in those situations? Well, I mean, that's part of the problem, right? If you're dealing with a very large vendor, technology vendor, uh, and again, you don't represent a chunk of business sizable enough to move the needle for them, mm -hmm. what is their willingness to work with you? I mean, invariably, they're not going to blow you off, mm -hmm. right? But they may just pass you to another third tier partner. And you're kind of just playing this game and hoping you get lucky that one of these things, you know, one of these folks uh, has the capabilities that you need to be able to effectively support your business. I mean, so this is just no different than any other kind of a large, I mean, all these large companies are almost utility companies in some way, really. Yeah. Right? I mean. Correct. Yeah. And for the record, we have a great partnership with Zoom. We do great. Yeah, no, I know. We do, I'm we not crapping on great, No, we do great business with just for everybody else's knowledge. We do a lot of business with them. They're a great provider for us, and 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 they, they do they do a great job. Right? Yeah, they were just it's our just, example to show. They were just our example. <laughs> yep. But you know, I think too. You know, there's the partner channel, right, and the servicing channel. It it it's a question that needs to be addressed, not just as an extension of, 
you know, partnering with a, a software vendor and acquiring their technology and implementing it, right? It's your own run, your own operations, whatever it may be. So we do a lot. I've got a, a, a fairly sizable team, a large chunk of whom are overseas. We were talking about this on Friday I, uh, or Thursday. I was actually in India meeting with a couple of these partners <laughs> in October. Um, and, you know, they're, they're good for what they do, right? But I, as a technician, and of course, they'll sell you the whole thing. They'll say, we can be strategic for you, all this sort of stuff. You know, we'll sit on your steering committees. Nope. What I find they're really good at, and I, I'm not diminishing them, right? But where I have found success is bring them in to turn a wrench, right? You want them to sling code. You want them to do QA. You want them to do quality assurance testing. You want them to do, you know, frontline triage of, of uh, you know, incoming issues, calls, bug calls, whatever. They're really good at that. And they'll do it at a really, really reasonable price. Mm -hmm. I don't want those guys doing anything strategic for me. Mm -hmm. I think at that point it becomes proprietary. It becomes, you know, something that looks like development of your intellectual property, and it moves the needle in terms of business success. All right. So it's back to strategy. Then your annual meeting comes up, or the annual yep. budget comes up for everything, yep. right? And the CEO says, "All right, we've got to get our 2024 budget going." Yep. You, CIO, have to go get your game plan ready for the year. Right. Okay. Now, do you go out and look at the latest and greatest? Do you say, all right, here's what I think is on the horizon for a SWOT analysis. You do your own internal SWOT and you say, here's what's coming down the pipeline with regard to cyber. Here's what's coming down for whatever I need. So is this how right. you plan your year out? You say, this is what I think we're going to need. Yep. Okay. And then you look at all the different technology. How, I mean, it's a two part question. Is that, is that how you plan number one? And then two, how do you stay abreast with what is most current in the world of technology. Yeah. So the first part of the question, you missed the first step. The okay. first step is business. Tell me what your strategy and objectives are for the year. Okay. So you're going to them first to yep. figure this out. Okay. Because it makes no sense for me to develop a, uh, an annual or a three-year roadmap or anything like that if it doesn't align to what they're doing. At the end of the day, they're funding it. I am, they are my customer. It's my job to deliver what they need to support their business. So I start there. Okay. What's interesting about this is frequently, if you are working with a business head who's not used to this kind of relationship, they will have difficulty articulating what it is they want to do for the next year. And you know, the response is, okay, well, great, I can come up with a number, but I don't know what the reality of that number is in terms of what you're going to be wanting to do in six months. Wait, wait a minute. I want to understand <clears throat> that. So when you, when you say they're not familiar with that, what does that mean? They don't understand working with their IT department properly, or what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think it's it's largely that, right? Okay. It's uh, And again, you're probably dealing with folks who are a little bit more seasoned and just have not had this partnership, right? I mean, historically, and even when I started my current company, IT was sort of perceived as the a utility, right? A necessary evil, it's like your plumbing, it's like your electricity, you gotta have just it. Just get my computer fixed. Exactly. Okay. Back to the wispy mustached guy who gives you grief because you didn't know to reboot your computer. Um, the so so yeah, it's a sea change. But there there was actually something that occurred that was kind of a seminal moment in my company was a leadership change at the most senior level. And the person who came in was a quant by background numbers person, right? Actuary, a uh, little bit younger, and understood the benefit of innovation um, and started to change the culture around it. So now you've got kind of this mandate top down that business, you need to be aligning to this thought process. You need to be looking at IT as a strategic partner, not a necessary evil. And so things started to change. But yeah, I mean, a lot of these folks have been operating in a, in a way for so long that it's just, all right, there's some 
there's some line item allocation for IT expense, whatever, but it's because it's not strategic to me, I don't need to be particularly forthcoming with them. Mm -hmm. And you know, sometimes them you know, wanting to keep it close to the vest for whatever reason. Well, you could almost view it as, I mean, as you're talking, and I hear the word strategy a couple times, you could almost view it if you are on the tail end as a threat. Yeah, I, and it's funny you say that because the first thing that popped in my mind was it's a, it's been a trust issue, mm -hmm. right? And so how do you establish trust with the folks who are ultimately paying the bills? And you know, at some point you're not you're asking them to invest, right? Capital, capacity, what have you. And so there needs to be a trusted relationship that look, I'm not just out there trying to do IT for the sake of IT. And you know, the question of emer of emerging tech is interesting, right? You got to stay abreast of it, but I, I that's that's not my game, right? I'm not chasing the latest and the greatest because I don't know that it's going to deliver value to my business, right? I want to again understand where they're trying to go. There's so much technology that's been commoditized now. So many people have solved for so many different things, and they've done so at different you know tier levels in terms of functional, you know, broad functional capability and cost and all these other things that. I can pretty much find, I think, the right solution to fit the need based on the profile of the business and what they're trying to achieve. Um, so yeah, but no, so that's, the, back to your original question, that, that's the process. It starts with the business conversation, understanding where they want to go. We also have a pretty healthy portfolio of technologies already. So the next thing I do is, what do we already have in-house that I can you know, leverage for benefit of a particular business unit? Uh, back to the commoditization of technology, right? Again, so many people have solved for stuff I don't believe you should be in-house engineering everything from a technology perspective. I think something's out there where you need to be spending internal uh, capacity and, and you know dollars and such is in areas of differentiation, right? So I've got, you're trying to achieve X, I can get you 85% of the way, but there's a gap in the techno technical capability here. Let's spend engineering time to build out that gap if it's going to, again, I use move the needle a lot, right? Because mm -hmm. to me that, that means something. And it's not move the needle in, from you know, my self-actualization perspective, because I can mess around with tech all day long. It's what moves the needle for the business, right? Top line growth, bottom line, you know, cost optimization, efficiency, et cetera. Um, and so again, that's where we, we have these kind of relatively small engineering teams. And the whole idea is guys focus on differentiation and not rebuilding in ERP. <laughs> More, more acronyms, right? The, every business has core systems. Oil and gas, it's sure. ERPs and things like that. Enterprise resource planning systems. Healthcare, it's electronic medical record systems. In, uh, in insurance, it's a policy admin system. There's so many big vendors out there that have built these things. Why would you try to compete right. with that? Right, there's no reason. Yeah. Yep. I have one more question on that I'm just, when you talked, because you said something a minute ago about just aligning goals. In the world of uh, industrial energy and oil and gas, uh, the term ESG mm -hmm. has just been the, the term du jour the last three years. Yep. Um, I and I really hear that, and there's it can be taken a bunch of different ways, right? Some people love it, some people hate it. It's been hijacked, quite honestly, a couple of different ways as well. Yep. There's some things about it that are great, quite honestly, that have taken uh, effect, and, and I believe that are good. There's some things about it that are again been hijacked, but one of the terms or one of the channels, if you will, of that term that I think are, have been pretty good is in the in the world of energy and transition or energy transition. Yep. Is 
like that thread of the of the energy transition is digitalization. Yep. And a lot of this is taking place. I wonder if digitalization, ESG, is that a is that a term that gets used that you hear that much in your world? We do. Okay. So a couple thoughts and, and I'm not gonna opine too much on ESG, but I will say this, right? When when I decided law school wasn't a fit and I had this useless undergrad degree and I decided, okay, I need an, I need an advanced degree. History degree, by the way. I'm a mean trivial pursuit player. Um, I, need, I love Trivial Pursuit, by the way. Well, <laughs> nobody you. plays that anymore. Well, whatever the the latest trivia game is. But anyway, um, well, I mean, listen, I was that was an invitation to start playing some uh, Trivial let's Pursuit. Let's go. By the way. Let's go. That and a few beers. Let's go. Um, the so I you know I thought about a computer science track, but anyway, I ended up going to get my MBA instead. The the first thing you learn in business school, anybody who's been to business school, it, the responsibility of the manager of a firm is to maximize shareholder value, right? make money, be profitable. And so when I look at ESG and I I start to ask myself how much of that algorithm or or how people are being measured ties back to that that first principle, maximizing shareholder value. And, And I don't often see this great connection between the two. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm saying from, you know, my my perspective, I don't always see it. Um, now that said, you know, I think there are uh, fruitful exercises. I think progress is a good thing. I think, but progress needs to be measured, right? It needs to be balanced. So you can talk about, um, you know, green tech and things like that. And I get a lot of opinions on all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, great, you know, renewables are awesome. But the first question I ask as a technology guy, do we have the technology to be able to go full electric in the next five to 10 years? And I don't think it's there yet. So again, progress in a measured, reasoned way. And so I think some people get so hung up on ESG that they kind of, (laughs) case in point, you know who had a great ESG score? Silicon Valley Bank. (laughs) Perfect. So they're doing well. Yeah, well. yeah, they've done very well. I for think they've got it well figured out right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just gave themselves bonuses. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Yeah, that's the last I read but, about them. But again, I, I, I don't want to diminish ESG. I'm saying it needs to be in balance. You cannot forget the first principle of making money, being profitable, right. and this kind of stuff. Then if you can do those things as well in parallel, good for you. Yeah. What else, Mr. Rodriguez? What have we got? We have a great ESG score here, by the way. I'm sure you're yeah. doing great. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, very diverse. 50%, 50% of our podcast is diversified. <laughs> so that adds to our score. 75% of our podcast speaks some level of Spanish. It's We're, we're good enough. We're good enough. Bien. Yes. Bien. <laughs> I love talking to Richard. He's just like, Josh, please, enough. What else do we want to talk about here? Crack me up. We're doing great. Isn't this amazing how good this thing is? I love are? this. It is, it's such a yeah. great media. Yeah. It is. I oh, love it. Good format. Love Long it. format is the best. Well, because you can get, I mean, like you're sitting here talking about EVs yep. with authority. And you're right, by the way. I mean, there's there's good information on this and it's clear. This is, everybody gets siloed into what they know. Like, oh, yep. this is the IT guy. He can only talk wrong. This is a right. very intelligent guy who knows a lot about a lot. Well, and I appreciate that. Yes. You know, that was kind of my thinking. So back to the pivot of advanced degree and what do I want to do? It, I recognized early on that I wanted to be on the strategic side, that I wanted to be on the business enablement side. I need to learn the language of business. Go get an MBA, exactly. right? I can learn more tech. I was doing tech every single day of my life and my career and learning on the job. If I want to be able to bridge the gap, I need, I need that business vernacular to be able to 
to do so. All right, I got one more. Richard, unless you got something, I'm <laughs> no, jumping sorry, in here. If you ahead. like, if you're starting your own business today. Yep. How? Where are you valuing the world of technology, IT? I mean, where are you putting that in your top ten? Well, I mean, it depends on the nature of the business, right? Yeah. Yeah. If it's a technology company, I'm probably valuing it very high. <laughs> see, would you not? See, I would put that very high just in about any business. Yeah, I feel yeah, like it's, fair point. It, it makes everything super effective these days. Yep. No, I, it, it's absolutely uh, something more than a line item, right? Um, it, it, what can't be See, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because as a technology guy, I'm like, absolutely. You know, you got to spend, you got to invest, you got to innovate. I think what's so, this is an interesting question, right? And I've had this conversation with colleagues. What's, what's fascinating and the, the real opportunity for new business startups right now, you can do with a credit card mm -hmm. what used to require a capital intensive investment of time and money. And I'm talking about spinning up data centers and doing all this kind of stuff, all capital investment. I can go out to any one of these cloud providers with a credit card and say, I need this much compute. I want to scale it up and down, right? Depending on demand, all this other kind of stuff. And it allows people to ramp up from nothing to something really quickly. Mm -hmm. So again, depends on your scale, depends on what you're trying to do, but so much of this stuff is subscription-based, uh, less capital intensive, but you know, clearly it'd be central to the conversation. Yeah. Richard, you have anything for our guest, Mr. Jay Slaughter today? No, I mean, well, I mean, we can go, we can go long and Truly. deep into a number of, of these <laughs> yeah. subjects, even even something like that, like the startup, right? And that's, yeah. and that's again, that's a perfect example of where, you know, people hear, oh, the cloud, and I have to get to the cloud, but they don't necessarily understand what that even means, yep. right? And they don't, and they think it's automatically. A lot of the conversations I have around cloud are around cost because they yep. they walk into the initial conversation thinking, oh, I'm going to save so much money, I'm going to get off. It's like, you can. Yeah. I'm like, but they, but you have to strategically go about how you're going to utilize the technology and not just put everything in there and let it go. Because you yep. do that, you're going to be spending way more than yep. you're spending now. And oh, and oh, by the way, cloud is not perfect. <laughs> oh, no. There was a, a major issue, and again, I won't name the vendor, where a primary data center for one of the biggest cloud providers lost connectivity to their primary data center. And we were, on, we were in that environment, and it hurt us. Mm. And we were small potatoes, I mean, Again, through I, cyber security issues or just through just logistics issues? It was a network connectivity issue. Wow. Yeah. That's big. Yep. And their data center was up and running and fat and happy. But I, I got a question for both it. of you right. two. How long did it take to, to get people to understand what a cloud was anyway? I mean, depending who you're talking to. Yeah, no, I'm you're serious. still explaining. I mean, depending yeah. who you're talking to, right? Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an ongoing conversation because because so many things change when it relates to the cloud. Right. right? It's still evolving. Yeah, I would agree with that, right? And what does it mean? <laughs> and it's there's not a single answer, right? You can use it strategically and still have the majority of your compute on-prem. We are, within my current company, we're pretty hybrid. Yeah. Um, but we're still probably something like 70% on-prem. On-prem premises, yeah. people yeah. know. Yeah. Sorry, physical data centers that you have to manage rather than no, no I, just a couple of experts talking yeah no yeah big deal. no I got, it, I got it i got, I got it. it just just me translating but keep going yep yep no so there's not a single answer right and you can talk about things like devops and all this kind of stuff too so one of the things that we use cloud almost exclusively for is data storage and reporting analytics all this kind of stuff we basically take because we're this federated company and everyone's got their different core systems this new CEO, the quant, came in and said, I don't have visibility. <laughs> I don't have visibility across the enterprise to performance of my business. 
And so one of the first things she did was say, let's leverage cloud. Let's take data from all these disparate data repositories. Let's put it into this particular public cloud provider. And then let's develop, you know, let's, it, it ain't just moving data and then reporting on it, right? Because it's in the raw and it's, you know, there's structure problems and there's this notion of a semantic layer. And that basically just means that the data, the way it's stored in a database is not business readable because of the way they name database fields and all this kind of stuff. So you got to put this semantic layer over it so it has meaning and you got to aggregate it into reporting data marks and all stuff. Anyway, we use cloud almost exclusively for our reporting and analytics stuff. Okay. Do you understand what that meant? So think if you had a bunch of different systems. So think if you had 10 different gateways, okay. right? And you built them through acquisition. You had 10 different core systems, you had all this kind of stuff. Well, you as Josh, you want to see the performance of that business. You basically have to go create using the cloud. You have to put all this data in, but there's <clears throat> there's different part numbers, there's different schemata, there's, there's all these different things, right? So you need to be able to put them in a way, put them together in a way that where you call it up on a dashboard you yep. can see how your business performs. What he was talking about is all the backside stuff of it that gives you the nomenclature, the business nomenclature in a dashboard. That From now, 10 separates. And now everybody yep. can look at it and, and talk the same language of how the business is performing. Without having to switch all 10 Without businesses. Yep. That's a big deal, I feel. It's huge. It is a very big deal, particularly in a federated company. And you're, you, you hit the nail on the head. A what company? Federated. Federated. So it's basically corporate structure over the top yep. and then a lot of kind of independent autonomous business units that are yeah. allowed to run autonomously. Wouldn't right? this feel like, wouldn't this be perfect for like a private equity world where they're trying to look at a portfolio group? Mm -hmm. yep. That's and we have grown through merger and acquisition historically right. and this is one of the challenges you have. You acquire them, you acquire their systems. Sometimes there's integration or consolidation onto an existing system but a lot of times they bring Just with what sense, they have. Right, exactly. And what is this called? What, what's this process called? I mean, every, everybody's got a different name yeah. for it, but basically it's just aggregating that data, you put it into a, you can put it into people, some people call it a data lake. I that's mean, exactly that's what all, we call it, yeah. Yeah, and you put it into, and then you, you choose your, your output system, right, and yep. everybody's got a different one, you know. Power, Power BI, MicroStrategy, Excel, right. I mean, you can exactly. plug anything Any form the that you want, yeah. but it takes all of that, and like he said, you put that layer on top of it that's got, all the, the you know the, the whatever acronyms you need for your business yeah. that runs your business your product you know all those kinds of things your product your groups your different things kinds Love of it. things right and then you put it together and that's that's what comes out with what goes to the board right when you do see those, I feel like we just had a conversation about this with one of our friends that is looking for exactly this like exactly this but uh, interesting okay because right now I feel like he's in ten different well, you know emails you. and yeah, ten right, different. Yeah. Meetings and okay, interesting. Yep. Jay, Josh, this was great. I enjoyed it. Thank you for yeah. having me. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, Appreciate Richard, my it. pleasure. Is there anything we can plug for you, or or just life in general, or no? You no? know, things are good, right? Uh, just enjoy the opportunity. I think you guys are absolutely on the right track. I I will be honest with you. When you and I were having this conversation on Thursday, and you were talking about an IT podcast, I'm like, this is just another one of these guys talking about emerging tech. I got no interest. Well. The minute we started talking about business-aligned IT, I'm like, all right, now you're speaking my language. Let's go. We don't waste people's time, except for the most part when we exclusively waste their time. Yeah. But um, which is one of our favorite things to do as well. Right. So. Sure. Uh, no, I mean, look, this to Richard's point, we've been talking about this for a long time. Richard, you know, we've we one of the goals on this on this podcast is to not really highlight the companies that we have, and yep. it's to 
bring ideas and people together and then share those ideas because honestly, there's there's a need. I've, I've been around it just enough to know that it, it feels to me, this yep. world feels very much like a bunch of guys that operate out of their homes yep. that are very much siloed to themselves, that make good money doing exactly what they like to do, that never coordinate with anybody but themselves. Right. And that's fine if that's what you want to be as the Lone Ranger. Uh, but there's this world needs a place to bring ideas together. And I, I think that's what I, the goal is, is that's what this podcast is going to be. So I really just appreciate you coming on and making time My for pleasure. us today. Yep. So Jay Slaughter, independent yes, cheat. Well, not independent. You are tied up, but you're yep. just an unnamed. And I, and I, I just appreciate you coming on and yep. uh, sharing your wisdom. That's a long time to be in the role you're in. And uh, just remember everybody, just reset the computer at some level. <laughs> reboot. Reboot. Control is control off delete still a thing? I'm sure it is. So, uh, Richard, what do you think, buddy? We that did a great job. Great, that was a great first episode. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank we'll you have you back on, and whenever you're in Houston, you come yep. back on, and we'll talk and promote anything you want for uh, a Tell special thank you. Yep, I'll be here whenever. Thank you, sir. You All got right. it. The It Crowd Podcast is proudly brought to you by the following sponsors: Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com. ClearSync Solutions unifying your technology solutions with simplicity, from M&A integration to global connectivity, cybersecurity to managed services. We're your comprehensive partner aligning your business goals with technology for energy, oil and gas, and financial service firms. Trust our proven track record. ClearSync Solutions. One ClearSync, countless possibilities.